Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Justification by Grace. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 3. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. You want us to worship you in spirit and truth with our mind, with our whole heart. No one can worship you without understanding the gospel. So help us, O Lord, to understand the gospel. How you can say to the woman who committed adultery, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. How you can say to this publican who cried out, have mercy upon me, the sinner, how you can say to him, go home, you are justified. How you can say to the condemned, dying criminal, the thief on the cross who cried out, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And you said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Lord, we pray that those who are wicked, ungodly sinners, those who are outside the kingdom of God, may they hear carefully the message of salvation that they may enter into the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Raise the dead. And those who have been justified, may they go out rejoicing in terms of what you have done, that you have forgiven our sins and you have clothed us with the righteousness of God, which is the righteousness of Christ. You have done an irrevocable and irreversible action. We are justified forever. Oh God, open our minds that we may apprehend the gospel, that we may turn and look to your Son and be saved. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 3, 21 through 26 speaks about salvation in three aspects of salvation. Justification, redemption, and propitiation. Professor Leon Morris said about this passage, Possibly the most important single paragraph ever written. Luther called it the chief point of the whole Bible. So this morning we'll speak of justification by grace. Recently the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life surveyed 36,000 people to find out 
the percentage of adults that agree that many religions can lead to eternal life. Hindus agreed, 89% said there are many ways uh, to obtain eternal life. But that is not surprising. Orthodox Christians, I belong to the Orthodox Church. Orthodox Christians believe 72% of people, 72% of Orthodox Christians agree that there are many ways to eternal life. Catholic Christians, 79% of them said there are many ways to eternal life. Mainline liberal Protestants, 83% said there are many ways to eternal life. And finally, Bible-believing people, 57% said there are many ways to eternal life. This diversity in religion contradicts the biblical view that salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation is found in no one else but in Jesus Christ alone. About Christianity, Dr. Stott says, no other system, ideology, or religion proclaims a free forgiveness and a new life to those who have done nothing to deserve it, but a lot to deserve judgment instead. So let us consider this passage, this great passage that opens for us knowledge of the way of eternal salvation. Romans 3 and verse 21. But now. No need day but now. This now is contrasted with the former times of divine salvation. Paul as you know spoke of the wrath of God being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of men. Who suppress the truth in wicked deeds. So in chapter 118 through chapter 3 verse 20, St. Paul spoke of human wickedness, human sin. Paul has proven that all have sinned, all are under God's wrath. There is none righteous, none understands, none seeks God, none does good. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And he will go on speaking, man is a sinner, he is powerless, he is ungodly, he is an enemy of God. Friends, the very heart of sin is enmity toward God. He is spiritually dead. His mind is hostile to God. He cannot please God. He is guilty and hellbound. He cannot save himself by his own good works. Chapter 3 and verse 20 said, 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. He must be saved by another. The mighty God against whom man sinned must save him. Because there is no other savior. But thank God a new era has begun but now. The era of grace and divine salvation. The fullness of time has come in the Messiah Jesus Christ. So St. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Or turn to the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. And we read, in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now. He commands all people everywhere to repent. But now a new era of grace has come. The era of the Messiah. Or turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. And here we read. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. It's a new time, a new era, the era of grace. You and I are living in the now when people can call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. In the now, when Jesus sets free sinners from slavery to sin and guilt and condemnation and Satan, death and hell. He's setting me free by the Holy Ghost power. It's a new era. Praise God for this present time of now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation for you. The day of fulfillment of God's promise of a savior. First made in Genesis 3.15. But now it's fulfilled. We read in verse 31. But 21. But in but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made manifest. Manifest once for all. In the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A righteousness from God has been manifested for all to see on the cross of Jesus Christ. A righteousness from God, a righteousness we need, a righteousness God demands of us, a righteousness we do not have. Christ died for our sins and raised for our justification. 
As Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness for the healing of all bitten by poisonous serpents, the cross of Jesus Christ manifests a righteousness from God that meets our need. The gospel, Paul says, reveals the righteousness from God. Point number three, this righteousness of God is Chorus no more apart from law works of man. Judaism of Jesus' day misunderstood the way of salvation. It taught that one can earn one's salvation by meritorious good works, by obeying the Mosaic law. And so you see the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 beginning with verse 9 to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else Jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee he stood up and prayed about himself God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And God said, good hell. That's what he said. Judaism taught self-salvation. I can save myself without the Messiah. The Messiah came to his own people, but they rejected him. They needed no savior. Even that is true today. Study the Orthodox Judaism. They don't need Messiah. They believe in self-salvation, self-righteousness. The Mosaic law was never, friends, intended to save anyone. Turn to Romans 3 and verse 20. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of sin. Romans 3 verse 28 For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Chapter 4 and verse 15. If you want to glory in your self-righteousness and human merit, listen to this. Because law brings wrath. He who depends on law, upon him shall be poured out the wrath of God. And chapter 5 verse 20. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. The law aggravates sin and increases it. How can man, a slave of sin, a captive of sin, keep God's law perfectly? Chapter 3 verse 9 and chapter 7 verse 14 tells us we are under sin. That is under the control and power of sin. That we cannot deliver ourselves from the grip of sin and Satan. His name is Jesus for he 
will save his people from their sins. Not in their sins, from their sins. Its power, its dominion, its grip. And if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, sir. Come to Jesus without any claim of merit. Jesus saves only sinners. Who know they are sinners. Who know they cannot save themselves. Any merit plea condemns us. Not justify us. Chapter 4 verse 5. Describes God. Says God who justifies. The ungodly. Are you ungodly? Are you wicked? Are you a sinner? Are you guilt ridden? And you know it. As the public in you, then come to Jesus. He will do what is humanly impossible. With the God, all things are possible. And the fourth point that this way of salvation is not a new way. A brand new way. No, notice verse 21. But now righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, if you read the entire Old Testament, it is speaking about a salvation by grace through faith. And chapter 4 of Romans will tell you that Abraham believed God. David believed God. All Old Testament saints were justified by grace through faith. You read the book of Hebrews in its entirety. Habakkuk said the just shall live by faith. David says in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. The idea here is it will be counted against another. The Old Testament sacrificial system pointed to justification by grace through faith, salvation through, by grace through faith. And Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 24 what the Old Testament taught. Luke 24, 26 and 27 did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and 46 and 47 he told them this is what is written that the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations the righteousness of God witnessed by the Old Testament there is continuity in the way of salvation between the Old and the New Testament. This way of justification is not a new idea. God saves sinners by grace through faith in all dispensations. The Bible never teaches a merit-based self-salvation. The Pharisee who prided in his works of the law 
went home condemned. And point number five, look at verse 24 of chapter 3. Being justified freely by his grace. Seven times the words righteousness, justify, and just appears in this passage. Righteousness of God is a justifying righteousness, a divine righteousness, a God-given righteousness, a righteousness demanded by God of us. It is the objective righteousness of Christ. This righteousness meets our need. Being justified, that means one sinner at a time. Being justified. Being justified means one is given righteousness of God that we read about in verse 21. One is given righteousness of God and one receives the righteousness of God. He is justified. The Westminster Larger Catechism question number 70 goes this way. What is justification? And listen to the answer carefully. Justification is an act of God's free grace unto sinners in which he pardons all their sins, accepts and accounts their persons righteous in his sight, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but only for the perfect obedience and full satisfaction of Christ, by God imputed to them and received by faith alone. That's justification. Imagine a condemned criminal waiting to be executed for the, his crime. And he is told he is free to go home to his wife and children and friends because an innocent person who loved the criminal has agreed to be executed for his crime in his stead. Barabbas is going home. Why? Jesus Christ has been crucified. Justification is the language of the courtroom in heaven. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, and verse 1 says, when men have a dispute, they are to take it to court and the judges will decide the case, acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty. But we are told in chapter 4 and verse 5, however, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly. This is a problem, isn't that true? Judge should declare the innocent as innocent and guilty as guilty. His business is not make somebody innocent or make somebody guilty. But here we have a problem. We are sinners. We are guilty. We are ungodly. We are wicked. In fact, we are enemies of God. And God justifies pronounces us just. God declares us righteous, not make us righteous within, 
Justification is not sanctification. Dr. Stott says God is pronouncing sinners legally righteous, free from any liability to the broken law, because, 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 uh, because God himself in his son has borne the penalty for their law breaking. And so, Romans 5 verse 9 says, Dikaiotentes nun ento aimati autu, having been justified now by his blood. This justification, friends, is God's legal declaration that our sins are forgiven and that God's righteousness is ours. God gives us a new legal standing. This legal declaration by God, the supreme judge of the universe, is, as I said, irrevocable and irreversible. Who can reverse what the supreme judge of the universe has pronounced? We are justified forever. Yes, the justified are not automatically changed to within. We are declared legally righteous by God the Father. It is God the Father who so declares. And the God the Father will also see to it that we are changed to within. And if we are not changed to within, then we are not justified. Listen to Dr. Boyce, the late Dr. Boyce, he says, actual righteousness, that is experimental righteousness, does follow on justification so closely that we are correct in saying that if it does not, the one involved is not justified. In other words, if the justified is not being sanctified, evidenced in good works and obedience and holiness and godliness, he is not justified. Justification leads to sanctification, holiness, godliness, good works, obedience, and so on. Roman Catholics confuses justification and sanctification. Impute righteousness and impart righteousness. They teach justification makes us righteous within. They teach that justification is based on partly God's works and partly on our good works. Now you understand why a Roman Catholic cannot have assurance of salvation because his justification partly rests on his own good works. So let me tell you, it is true, justified, go on to be sanctified, made righteous, progressively within our good works, prove our prior justification. God justifies the ungodly on the basis of Christ's work. And in, in the sanctification of the spirit, God makes the ungodly godly. Disobedient, obedient, unbelieving, believing, sir. So we read in chapter 3 and verse 24, and are justified freely by his grace. Being justified. That's a present passive participle. And those who know Greek, it means I am not justifying myself. I am justified. 
I am receiving the benefit of an action done by God the Father. There is no self-justification. Something is done to us by another. God the Father declares us righteous in Jesus Christ. Number six. The source of our justification. What is it? Being justified freely by his grace. Meaning God's grace. By his grace. We are all under sin, non-righteous, no self-salvation, all sinned, and wages of sin is death. We are totally depraved and completely powerless by grace. By grace, we are justified sola gratia. By grace alone, we are justified. We are justified freely. Dorean. Justified as a gift. We have a, a young lady in our midst. Her name is Doris. Means she is a gift of God to this church. We are justified freely as a gift. Justification is a true gift. A free gift by God's grace. Friends, grace costs us nothing. But grace is very costly. God did not spare his own son in order to spare us from judgment. Isaac can go home with Abraham. Now a ram is found and sacrificed in his stead. Can you imagine, visualize in your mind the joy of Abraham as he went home. And that ram is Jesus Christ. Grace did cause the father the death of his son, even the death of the cross, where he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This high cost magnifies God's grace. Away with all cheap grace. There is no such thing as cheap grace. This grace Gives us justification. Those who merited condemnation receives justification. This grace gives us heaven who merited hell. This grace gives us life eternal who merited death everlasting. This grace is abounding grace. Grace that is greater than all our sins. Turn with me to chapter 5 of Romans verse 17 for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man how much more how much more how much more will those who receive God's hallelujah abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ Verse 20 of chapter 5, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, take a look at those who complain concerning your inability and lack of strength. 
Well, here it is, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Grace makes you competent, able, and more than able to do what God wants you to do. And this grace causes us to rejoice. I said long ago, the word grace has this meaning in in Greek. Grace is that which gives us great kara, joy. Grace is a very costly gift, yet it cost us nothing. <laughs> no man can buy grace, therefore salvation is free. Those who have no merit can buy it. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and, uh, and verse 1, and listen to the language. O ye sinners, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You can buy it for nothing, but Keep in mind, it is the most expensive gift you can have for nothing. Turn to the book of Revelation. You finished reading it recently. Chapter 21 and verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to him who is thirsty. That is one who acknowledges himself to be a sinner. He is lost. And he is saying, without God helping me, I cannot be saved. Thirsty, sir, thirsty as a heart thirsts after water brooks. I thirst after thee, O God, come and save me. So he says to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Or look at Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And you remember the story in Luke 14 and Matthew 22. A great feast was prepared. And they were asked to come and they said, no deal. I have no need of this feast. I bought land, I bought oxen, I am married. And so the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame were brought. Grace, great grace, abounding grace, sufficient grace, grace that is able to make you competent is for the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Not for the rich and famous. Not for the arrogant. Grace salvation is for prostitutes and publicans who cry out, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Grace salvation is for the thief on the cross who with his last breath called upon the Lord Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom to such poor, crippled, lame, blind, prostitutes, publicans, and thieves. God opens the gates of paradise. They feast with Christ. Now and then. No grace for Herods and high priests and Pharisees and Sadducees, the Herodians and the Pilots. Friends, 
Let's praise God. Jesus saves sinners. And only sinners. Them he saves by his grace. His amazing and abounding grace. The poor, the crippled, the publicans, the thief. Dr. Stott says about grace, grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to the rescue, God giving himself generously in and through Jesus Christ. Number seven, the ground of this justification is the work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death and resurrection. Friends, justification is not amnesty, which is pardon without principle. That's what Mr. Clinton did with Mark Rich. Remember Mark Rich, a crook? And he pardoned him. Justification is not seeing bad people as good people. It is not seeing sinners as not sinners. It is based on God's justice demonstrated in the life and death of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God against the elect sinner is poured out on God's innocent, sinless son, the spotless lamb of God. Someone said without the cross, the justification of the unjust would be unjustified, immoral, and so impossible. Christ died for and in place of the wicked. And turn with me Romans 1.18 speaks about the wrath of God is revealed against the ungodly. And chapter 5 verse 6 we read, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Therefore, chapter 4 verse 5, God who justifies the ungodly because Christ died for the ungodly. You understand that, sir? Jesus Christ died as our substitute, as our Passover lamb. John the Baptist declared, Behold the lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14 reads, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Turn to First Peter chapter 1. Oh yes, the ground of this justification. First Peter chapter 1 beginning with verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers what with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Yes. And First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. And we read here, for Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. And 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. And here we read, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. 
Jesus Christ in our behalf satisfied the demands of all God's holy laws. So when God justifies us freely by his grace, first he forgives all our sins. So Paul says in chapter 4 verse 8, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Because, because it is counted against Jesus Christ. Number two, he gives us the free gift of righteousness of God. Even the righteousness of Christ. Turn to Romans 5 and verse 19, friends. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. No longer we are under God's wrath. No longer we are under sin's dominion. No longer Satan is our master. We, friends, are under God's blessing, which justification brings to us. We are righteous. Who said so? God the Father said so. On the basis of Christ's substitutionary work in our behalf, which is imputed to us, we are righteous, we are righteousness, we have forgiveness, we have eternal life, we have peace with God and peace of God. We have glory. We are adopted children of God. We are united with Christ. And so all he has is ours too. And finally we have fellowship with the Father and the Son. Friends, you heard about double transaction. And here it is. Turn with me to chapter 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and verse 21. And take a look at this. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. In verse 21, God made him who knew no sin. Where did our sin go? Upon Jesus Christ. All sins taken from our head and put upon Jesus Christ who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So to imagine what happened. His righteousness is ours. Our sin is his. And he atoned for it. And his righteousness is ours. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is righteousness sanctification and redemption Jesus Christ is my righteousness and my sanctification and my redemption Christ is not divided if you are justified you will be sanctified and you will be glorified friends no more fig leaves covering no more filthy rags of self-righteousness no more dung of human merit we are covered by the blood of Christ. So we are righteous. We are righteousness of God. We are in Christ. 
the divine judgment the sword of Damocles was hanging over us ready to fall on us and execute us thank God it fell not on us but on another on Jesus Christ in time and space in history on the cross of Calvary and it is made manifest the righteousness of God has been made manifest look to him and be saved now God justly justifies sinners who repent and believe on his son on the cross friends righteousness and mercy kissed each other and we are saved forever friends if you are still under God's judgment hear the call of Jesus come unto me sinners He doesn't invite anybody else. Come unto me, sinners. I will give rest of salvation. Ask this. Ruth found rest in the God of Naomi. You will find rest. Our, Our Redeemer is a man of high standing. And you have no standing. But his high standing comes to you, sir. Hallelujah. Come take the water of life without cost by wine, bread, and milk without cost. Come to the feast. It is free for the poor, the blind, the cripple, the lame, the publican, the thieves, the ungodly, the meritless. Come to the feast. Come dressed. In the righteousness of God, which is the righteousness of Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to come to your Son and be saved. And help us all to go out with joy. Because grace makes us rejoice. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this sermon entitled Justification by Faith. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.